Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey everyone, before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level, or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to our community Discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best is that you can get all of this for only $15 a month. That's the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Blue Lion. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And with that, we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by our esteemed college basketball co-host. I know him as Bill Christie. You guys know him on gambling Twitter as Lucia Larry. Find his picks at Larry's Locks 2. The boys have been firing on the college hardwood. Hopefully we can keep it going as we're officially into 2021. Bill, Happy New Year. How you doing? Doing well. Same to you. Uh, we were just discussing a little before we got on here. We were both on the right side of this great college bas- or college football game. I'm sorry. Uh, they just wrapped up with the Buckeyes taking care of business over the Clemson Tigers as they head into the big battle with Bama uh, in the national championship game. So that was nice to see. And then we got a great slate coming up tomorrow on the hardwood and, you know, even some games in the on the gridiron as well. But we're going to be talking mainly here about the uh, college basketball slate coming up tomorrow. Yeah, and, and we're certainly going to dive into some of the big games on the college hardwood, a couple of consensus plays to get to. But, hey, Bill, let's just shoot the breeze a little bit about what we just saw. I know we were texting about it. Uh, what do you think? I mean, obviously Justin Fields made himself a lot of money tonight. I think there was a lot of skepticism coming into this game about his draft stock after that Big Ten championship performance when he really didn't look good at all. But he tore it up, and, you know, he's going to have to do it again in the national championship game. I thought the receiver, Chris Olave, made himself a lot of money, too. He's kind of on that fringe second round, first round area right now going into the draft. But the Buckeyes look great, and I'd love to see them compete again against Ohio State, excuse me, against Alabama, because it just seems like championship or semifinal in the college football playoff era, we've been getting way too many blowouts, even though this one was a surprise. Yeah, I agree with you. I'd love to see a competitive game. And look, the opening line says it's going to be pretty competitive. They only have Bama as a seven-point favorite. Um, <clears throat> and the total being 75 makes it seem like it should be a, for an exciting game. I, I just – and I tweeted this out a little bit before we got on here. 
I just feel like after watching a lot of the post-game stuff, and I usually don't watch it, to be honest. There's really nothing else on, so I kept it on. But to see the difference in the post-game interviews between Alabama and Ohio State, it, it, to me, it's like night and day. Alabama is just business as usual. We were supposed to win this game. We came here. We won this game. We have another game to play. Whereas Ohio State, like all the talk was about how they had the score from last year's game against Clemson up in their weight room, and every time they were working out, they were looking at that. And then you look at these guys after it was over, and you know they're picking up the trophy and holding it over their heads like it's like they actually won the national championship. I mean, no offense. I mean, it's a, it's a great accomplishment to win the Sugar Bowl and, and to knock off a team like Clemson, but at the end of the day, you, you didn't win the national title yet. So. To me, like looking at it that way and, and knowing what obviously we know about Bama and their pedigree and, and how good they are, uh, I'm, I'm going to be playing Bama. I, at first, I put the tweet out saying I'm leaning that way. I sent it out to my, to my guys already. I got it down to a, to a six and a half with a little bit of juice on it. But, yeah. I mean, just not, not just, you know, not looking at it from just a post game standpoint, you know, just looking at it from how the whole season has gone, I would have leaned Bama, but the, that just pushed me over the edge when I've seen – I've seen the way they conduct themselves after the game. Yeah, I think that's definitely a fair point. I mean, I think you could certainly look at the Ohio State game. One of my buddies even said it. He goes, this kind of felt like the Super Bowl for Ohio State, whereas you watched that first game today, and Bama was just kind of going through the motions to some degree, right? I mean, 20-point yeah. favorite, they only scored 31, and I say only because we're so used to Mac Jones and Devonta Smith and Najee Harris hanging 50 with regularity on whoever the opponent may be. So it felt like that was kind of like a, a C-plus, B-minus type of Bama game today. Yeah. And, I mean, I'll take it. I had Notre Dame catching all those points, so and they got me through the back door at the end of the game. But uh, I, I'll be honest, like if if that's a C plus B minus Bama, then what's an A Bama? I mean, I, I I'm with you there. And then also, just I feel like the the power ratings guys are just going to look at this and say, well, I'm getting Bama minus a touchdown. That's the same line that we had basically tonight against Clemson. So is Bama if Bama's one point better than Clemson, then Bama's the bet here, so I, I would probably lean to that side as well. Uh, curious to see where the line goes. I did see something on Twitter about FanDuel opening at uh, 9, and wow. that bet down really fast and just disappeared from the marketplace. So, I mean, it'll be interesting to see where it goes, uh, but I think Bama's definitely decided. Fields is going to have to have like a Vince Young USC right. type game. Yeah, and I think we already saw that. I think that was today. I just don't right. – and like you said, he, he probably got himself a lot of money, yeah, but I just don't think that's the real uh, field. I really, I really think that he's going to be less than what he showed tonight when he goes up against this Bama team. Um, and not just him, but you didn't even mention the guy's name, who I thought, in my opinion at least, was was really the player of the game. Oh, was, was I think Trace, I know where you're going. Yeah. was Trey Sermon. Yeah, I mean, look, I can remember him when he was in Oklahoma – um, and that's back when I was playing a lot of college football DFS and, sure. and, and loving to see this kid play on Oklahoma. And then he kind of disappeared on me. And then I, I noticed he you know, transferred over to Ohio State. And tonight's the first time he looked like the old Trey Sermon that I remembered. And, and he, look, Justin Fields, yes, he played a phenomenal game. Uh, I will not argue that. However, I will say that, you know, things became much easier for him due to the fact that Trey Sermon was doing the job on the ground and making uh, Clemson really respect the run game. Let me ask you one last thing on this game before we get to the college hardwood. Uh, from an NFL draft standpoint and with the performance from Fields, and I know we're both Eagles fans, started to see some rumblings about maybe the Eagles and Fields. Like, are you oh. interested at all? No. No, 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 not at all. I mean, look, if they went out and got – Hurts, I don't know if Hurts is the answer. I have no idea. I don't know what the franchise is really thinking right now with where right. we are. But, <laughs> but at the same time, I don't, I'm not sold on fields. I'm not sold. Like, there's there, – I don't really think I'm sold on You don't on think he's a campus guy? No, I don't think anybody – look, I'll, I'll go on record and say I don't, th- I don't think Trevor Lawrence is a campus guy. Sure, yeah. You know, I mean, and I'm not just saying after what happened tonight. I, I would have said that, you know, at the beginning of this season. Yes, he's a very good college football player. Um, I just don't know what he's going to be able to do at the next level. So, we, yeah, one last thing uh, that I'll mention 
just on the on the national championship game. I do think if you like Bama, I don't think it can hurt you to try and grab a seven now, or like you said, you paid it down to get six and a half because we're going to hear a lot more probably this weekend, you know, about fields and those ribs, you know, and 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 yeah. if if that news if like if that news is bad, then that line's only going up. Whereas if it's good, I don't know that it's necessarily getting lower than a touchdown. Yeah, exactly. There's, if if there is significant damage to fields, which I don't, I can't imagine there not being, <laughs> um, after yeah. seeing that hit and then after seeing how he was trying to throw on the sidelines, it really, to me, it was more adrenaline that was getting him through that game. Um, yeah, if, if he's banged up, he look like Bama's going to take advantage of it, and I wouldn't want to be on the other side. And, yeah, for sure, the, the line will shift if that is the case. So I'd be very happy to be where I stand now with the six yeah, and a half. Exactly. I, I was going to say, I don't mind losing if I have Alabama minus six and a half, minus seven. The right. game closes ten and my ticket still loses. Like, yeah. I can live with that. Yeah, that, I, I, yeah, I, absolutely the same thing. I can live with making the right call there. So, speaking of making the right calls, we've been making plenty of good calls here on our college basketball podcast. As uh, the last couple of pods, uh, we've been giving out winner after winner, and we're going to hope to try and keep it rolling here. A uh, couple of consensus plays, and we do have a crossfire as well, so that should make for an interesting pod. Let's get started, though, in the Big 12. Actually, that's where both of our consensus plays lie. We're going to save the best for last, and so uh, we'll get to Texas and Kansas at the end of the podcast. But let's go to Norman, Oklahoma, where we have a very intriguing game in Big Ten country, and that is the Oklahoma Sooners at home, opening as a short one, one and a half point favorite against the West Virginia Mountaineers. And uh, we're both going to be on the Oklahoma side of this one. I'll start uh, by just saying I think this is one of my favorite, like, systems things in college basketball and college football. Yeah. I, I love looking at those unranked teams that are favored over ranked teams. And this is an even larger disparity because it's not just an unranked team favored over a ranked team. It's an unranked team favored over a top 10 team right. in West Virginia. So I think that right there kind of always indicates it's a little bit of a ratty line, right? You can only look to that favorite or pass the game. Oklahoma despite the fact that it is considerably further down, obviously not ranked, and, and the Ken Palm rankings or whatever, the Sooners are considerably further down than West Virginia. The Sooners are still 16th in offensive efficiency, despite what's been like a pretty, ogre, pretty mediocre start to the season for Oklahoma. Having said that, another reason I kind of like this, they competed right down to the wire and did cover by the hook as two-and-a-half-point underdogs against Texas Tech, losing by two. And we know Texas Tech and Chris Beard has kind of ascended that program into being one of the better ones in the Big 12. So if they can compete with Texas Tech, I would expect them to compete pretty well here with West Virginia. And let's let's just be honest, Bill. Like, what's so impressive about West Virginia? I know that you were kind of anti-West Virginia when we did our conference previews back now five, six weeks ago, just before Thanksgiving. And you look at their two biggest games non-conference. Granted, they played hard, but they still lost against Gonzaga. Uh, and then, well, actually, this was a conference game, but Kansas beat them up pretty good. So I think that West Virginia is more – like, like I think there's – probably a little phoniness behind that ranking. They barely hung on. I had Iowa State as a big underdog. West Virginia barely won that game straight up as 14.5-point chalk, only winning by five. So um, I think this is one of those like trappy spots where you look at the number in front of West Virginia and think, how could they be a dog? And I can kind of understand it to a degree. I'm going to be on Oklahoma. Yeah, I love what you said about the system idea. It's definitely a thing that sticks out to me all the time. It's the first thing I do when I'm when I'm starting my handicap process is I'm looking at the ranked teams and I'm seeing what the line is against them. If they're playing an unranked team and the line doesn't make sense to me, specifically if they are a dog, uh, it really jumps out to me. But then when you dive a little bit deeper into this game, I'm not sure if you saw today, West Virginia, they announced that Oscar, and I have no idea how to say his last name, um, he's out for the rest of the year. He's been averaging 20 minutes per game, 8.5 points, uh, 8 boards, so... I just don't know what the makeup of that team's going to be without him. Um, not that he's a driving force, but again, like I just mentioned, 20 minutes, you know, almost 10 points, almost 10 boards. That's a big piece. Um, sure. And there's got to be a filling out process. And I don't think Oklahoma's the team that you want to have that filling out process against. Uh, you mentioned they lost a tough one to Texas Tech. 
Uh, my boy, sarcasm, Mac McClung getting fouled towards the end there and knocking <laughs> down the foul shots. That yeah, made me a little sick to my stomach watching that. Um, but look, they're going to look to get right against this West Virginia team, and they just came off a trouncing of a Northeastern team, which is Northeastern, nothing to you know really look at. Um, so in my opinion, like I said, when I first look at the capping process and, I, and I'm looking at these, these matchups, if I didn't see the line, I would just assume, okay, West Virginia – you know, they're on the road, all right, they shouldn't be too much of a favorite. I'd put them at, like, around a five-point favorite, maybe. So when I look at the line, it opened up, and and they're dogs out of the gate. Like, forget it. There's no way I'm playing West Virginia. I have to play Oklahoma here. So, you know, for those reasons, I'm definitely going to be back in Oklahoma here. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see this line tick um, up past two, maybe even closer to three by tip-off tomorrow. Yeah, and, and I like Bill, we talk a lot on this podcast about those reverse line moves. That's one that I would not be surprised if that is what it is, right? Because when you see these unranked favorites become bigger favorites, like you can't imagine that's just public square action on them. Right, and specifically if you see that there is um you know, a high percentage of public tickets on on the other side. You know, if you if you right. all of a sudden see West Virginia and there's Eighty percent of tickets on them, and that line's still ticking the other way. Forget it. Like it, to me, that's I don't want to say lock because nothing is a lock, but that just really makes me want to play that game. Let's keep things moving. What is a pretty big game in the Big Ten, where we have the Iowa Hawkeyes making the trip to Piscataway to take on the Rutgers Scarlet Knights at the rack, and uh, this will be nationally televised on the Deuce ESPN two carrying this one, and we're seeing Iowa. Laying four on the highway. Total in this game of 159, it yes. looks like, across the map. So, um, Bill, when you're, this is your play and you're going to be on Rutgers uh, catching the short number, uh, is this just one that you think is going to go right down to the wire and you're going to want those points in your back pocket regardless? Uh it's going to be a nice thing to have in your back pocket. I, I want to be honest with you, though. I really do think Rutgers wins this game outright. Okay. Um, but both both of these teams, they're here coming off solid in-conference wins in their last outings. Um, but I can't imagine this line being this low if Ron Harper Jr. and Big Cliff are both out. Like, So I want to put that out there to begin with. Like, If they were both out, if there was any inkling they're probably going to be out, there is no way that the line is going to be this low. It would be much, much higher than this. Um, so that being said, this Rutgers team, they, they match up really well against against this Iowa team. And the fact they have Big Cliff and they have Johnson, who's going to be banging inside with Garth, they are two big, big body big men who are going to be able to, like, nobody's going to stop Garza, but if they hold him to around 20 points, you know, they're getting their job done. Um, but I think the bigger story is going to be the guard play. There's there's no one on Iowa that is going to be able to check Ron Harper Jr. The guy has taken his game to a completely different level this year. Um, and the fact that he's just a mismatch for anybody, because you can't put a guy that's quick on him and, and, and small because he's going to overpower him. You put a big on him, and he's going to be able to be crafty enough to get around him. So that's a huge issue. And then when you start paying attention to Ron Harper Jr., everybody kind of forgets about Geo, and he's going to be a problem too. So Rutgers being a top 25 team defensively and a top 20 team offensively, look, we all know Iowa's number one offensively in the country, right? But they're barely inside the hundred top 100 defensively. That's sure. going to be a problem. And Iowa does not defend the three well at all. Um, and I think Rutgers is going to be able to uh, take advantage of that, play from the outside, and then go in. Um, I like Rutgers covering the number pretty easily here, and I, I'm probably going to be sprinkling a little bit on the money line. Um, I did see it tick down to three at one shop. I'm not sure where it's at now, but if that line keeps going down, I, I like it even more. Yeah, I'm going to stay away here, but I hear everything you're saying. I think that uh, – I. And I lost a total last week with in the Iowa-Minnesota game. I had the game under, and it really looked like I was going to be in business. And then Minnesota makes a late run in the final minutes of regulation to force overtime. And, of course, it's not called undertime. So I end up losing <laughs> that ticket. And um, the point I'm making is watching that game play out, I was saying to myself, okay, Iowa has to figure it out defensively because if Iowa does not do that, 
then the Hawkeyes are going to continually be susceptible to upsets because, in reality, I don't think you can win at any level of basketball. I mean, Bill, you used to coach. Like, you can't win if you can't defend. Like, I'm sorry. Like, it just isn't going to come together to where you can beat, win, win every track meet, right? I mean, at a certain point, it's like a game of Russian roulette, right, where eventually, you know, you're going to get caught. Somebody's going to catch you. And, right. and, and and that's what happened in, with Minnesota. And, you know, with that victory on – it was Christmas Day, uh, Iowa and Minnesota in overtime 102 to 95. And obviously you mentioned it that, you know, Iowa was able to bounce back with a victory. Uh, but I, I don't know that I've seen – like I'm going to need to see an identity shift to at least some degree or some more, more of a commitment on the defensive end from Iowa before – I can back them as a favorite because, you know, you mentioned it, short number. Even if you're wrong and that Iowa does win this game, you mentioned how they haven't been defending the three very well. You always worry about those shots going up late that impacts point spreads. Mm -hmm. It just feels like, you know, they beat Northwestern 87-72, to as I mentioned in their last game. Uh, You know, 72 for the opposition against Iowa is actually kind of low, so – The bottom line is, you know, while I won't have a play here, if you think Rutgers can score and can get in another high-scoring game, like it just would confirm everything I just said about not really wanting a piece of Iowa right now. Yeah, and that's what I'm. That's how I feel about it. Like I feel like Iowa wants to get up and down the floor, and you know, against a lot of teams, especially in conference, um, they're going to be able to do that against these teams. Uh, Just I just feel like Rutgers is not that team. Rutgers is a team that will be able to run with them. Like I said, they have two big bodies inside that can kind of control Garza a bit. And unless Bohannon and Wieskamp and uh, I'm blanking on the other guys, if they're all, if they're not all knocking down deep shots, like they're going to be in trouble. And, I, again, I just feel like Rutgers' guard play and their length, like, again, like a Ron Harper Jr., that dude is enormous. He's got a huge wingspan. So when he's stepping out and defending the guys at the three-point line, you know, it's going to cause a problem. So, again, like I said, I, I, I'm not going to be shocked if Rutgers walks away with this W. Um, and if they do, it's going to be from what you said. It's going to be the fact that Iowa is not defending. And the fact that the line of the total is 159, which I believe is the highest um, maybe in, in recent Rutgers history, um, right. that kind of just lends itself again to the fact that if it's going to be high scoring, Iowa doesn't play the best defense, so – uh, you gotta lean Rutgers here, and, and like you said, if you're not playing defense, you can't win. Like I, you, you can't just play one At style, any <laughs> right? Yeah, you can't play one style of like running gun, running gun, running gun, um, and think that you're gonna win all the time. Especially like Iowa, I know they have Garza, but if you're so reliant on three point shooting and you don't defend, then inevitably there's going to be a game where you don't make enough threes to win. Exactly, and another thing is the tempo. When when you're constantly go 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 go, it's like. Well, what happens when it's a tight game and you need to slow things down? Like you're, right. you've been, you've been, you, your whole offense is predicated upon pushing the ball and being up tempo. And if you can't slow it down towards the end of a game, you're going to be in trouble. So, yeah, hopefully, what we're saying all comes to fruition and Rutgers can get this W. Let's go. We started in the Big Twelve, then we just touched on the Big Ten. Now let's go to a crossfire game in the SEC, where we have the Missouri Tigers. Traveling to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. We're seeing Missouri as six-and-a-half-point road underdogs. Total of 148. I'm going to start. I'm taking the home chalk here with Arkansas. This is another one of those unranked favorite spots over a ranked team that I like. So we already talked about that. And I'll be honest, get, you know, don't get used to saying unranked and Arkansas in the same mm-hmm. sentence because I think they're coming for the top 25. 9-0 straight up are the Razorbacks. Cashed a ticket on them earlier in the week with that road victory against Auburn. And here's what really impressed me about that game against Auburn. They score 97 points. Obviously, 97 is a big number. But they have one, two, three, four, five scorers in double figures. And that includes J.D. Note off the bench, who's averaging 15 points per game for the Razorbacks off the bench. He had 21 in that victory against Auburn. Uh, and and the, lead, and the leading scorer uh, Desi Sills uh, averages 14 a game. He had or he was a leading scorer in that game against Auburn with 23. So I just think 
whether you, when you got a guy that can come off the bench that can average as much as one of your better players, I think this is a pretty well-balanced offensive attack that Arkansas is throwing the way of the Tigers here. And, uh, you know, I, I think just I'm, I, I'm starting to buy. You know, I'm buying the, the, the Arkansas stock. Eric Musselman, we saw the success that he had against Nevada, with Nevada, excuse me, getting all the way uh, to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament at that mid-major school before getting the Arkansas job. Ken Palm has, they really like Arkansas. They're number 28 in the country right now. So as I said, Razorbacks knocking on the door of the top 25. And by the way, in the Ken Palm rankings, Missouri all the way down at 50. So I think that this is, just simply put, even though the ranked team is the underdog, I think the unranked team is just a better team. And look at what happened with Missouri since that Illinois win. That was a big win for them non-conference. Missouri then only wins by one point against Bradley. I know that was a game you were on, Bill, with Bradley. And then Missouri gets clobbered by Tennessee. Tennessee, obviously one of the best teams in the SEC. Uh, but I, I don't. Uh, if you had to ask me right now, which of these teams is more likely to make a run to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, or which of these teams is more likely to you know end the regular season with more weeks in the top 25? I have to say it's Arkansas because Missouri, as I said, since that Illinois win, hasn't really backed itself up very well. Uh, I'm going to be on Arkansas here. Well, I think you're right. I think Arkansas can win this game, and I think they will win this game. However, I do not think they're going to cover the number here. Um, you mentioned that Mizzou just got absolutely demolished by a very, very, very good Tennessee team, right? Lost by, I think, 20. Um, this is a spot where Mizzou can look to get back. Granted, it is on the road. Granted, it's against an Arkansas team that is undefeated, who I mentioned uh, late last week how I'm kind of in the same boat that you're in, where I'm, I'm starting to, you know, really like what I see out of this Arkansas team. They hustle their asses off on both ends of the floor. Musselman's been doing a phenomenal job. You know, John Rothstein always makes a comment of the calls Musselman the importer, and it was, it was interesting to hear some of the uh, commentary last game that he said why he loves bringing these guys in from all over the place and why he's comfortable with it is because of all his experience in the NBA where, you know, there's free agency and there's trades and you're constantly looking at teams that are changing throughout the season um, and why he's so comfortable with it. So that was interesting to hear that commentary about that. Um, but I'm going to be playing Mizzou here. I'm going to be taking the points. Um, I believe that if Missouri didn't lose uh, – by 20 to Tennessee. I don't think you're going to see this number be at five. You know, I think maybe you're going to be a similar situation with Oklahoma, where Oklahoma um, is only going to be the one-point favorite. I could have saw Arkansas maybe as a slight, slight favorite. I just think five is a little too much in this one. Arkansas, like I mentioned, they love to get up and down the floor. They get it. They're intense. Um, and Missouri, I think, is going to be able to slow the tempo down a little bit here. They take away the deep ball, much like um, – we mentioned that Rutgers does. Uh, and the big story here, I believe, is going to be Mizzou's ability to get to the line. Arkansas playing their high-paced game is kind of going to play in the hands to Mizzou here, who has a knack for getting to the line. Oh, and they shoot 73-plus percent from the line when they get there. So, again, I, I think Arkansas is going to win the game, but I just think that coming down towards the end of the game, uh, I think Missouri is going to be able to cover the number of five. Well, Bill, you got me on our last crossfire, uh, that Kentucky-Carolina uh, game. is Carolina cash for you, and I lost, so we'll see who takes this one. Let's take a quick break, and we'll come back and hit a few more games as we move along here on Full Slate. 2020 reshaped how we work, and it's now over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% 
of all nine job seekers in the United States are using Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear, Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide use Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. That is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Bet BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by my college basketball co-host, Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2 for his picks. We're trying to give you some more winners on the college hardwood. We've been red hot, and we're going to keep things moving, going back to the Big 12 uh, Bill, you're going to have a lean here on Kansas State catching four points at home against TCU. What are you liking about the Wildcats, and how close are you to making this a play? Uh, I'm not sure just yet how close I am. However, like you mentioned, I am leaning uh, Kansas State here. Uh, TCU in a look-ahead spot here. They have uh, Kansas in their next game. Uh, and Kansas State has really not been producing at all this year. So just really for that spot alone makes me like Kansas State a little bit here. Um, catching a short number, TCU looking ahead. Um, yeah, I'm not – again, I'm not positive I'm going to play it. If I do, I'll probably play it for one unit. Um, but let's talk about the real story here, Greg. You just gave me the news. I want to vomit right now. <laughs> The game that I wanted to talk about, Florida State and Duke, I was going to be all over the Seminoles here. And we just found out that the Duke program decided to cancel this game, apparently because Coach K didn't make the trip, because apparently he was in close contact with somebody who had COVID. I just, I I, I don't understand it. I really don't. Like, to me, again, like, if, if it's just because Coach K isn't there, it's a forfeit. It should just be a forfeit. <laughs> if the team's capable of playing, you and, have plenty and, of coaches. And mind you, we don't have the issue in college athletics that we do in the pros where people are bringing up, oh, forfeits mean no game checks. Right, exactly. It, it, play the game. If you have enough players in your roster and you have a coach, play the game. There, there's no other reason to not well, play the game. And, Bill, we, we just saw Clemson had to go play a college football semifinal without its offensive coordinator tonight due to COVID. Right, exactly. Like, there, there's just no excuse. And to me, it's like people are just going to bow down for Coach K. To, to me, know, it's... It, I do wonder, and I, and I have not read anything about this, so I'm not sure. I'm just not as informed on who makes these decisions. Like, if the two schools just agree to postponing it, then there is no, you know, the NCAA or, or nobody that that's coming in and kind of being the third-party arbiter on what games can be postponed and what which games actually should be forfeits? Uh, is it just the two schools agreeing? I, I, I assume so. I really don't know. I didn't look at it either. Um, it kind of seems like it's been that way. I, I doubt there's any, like, real um, verbiage to it, like, that people have written down. I feel like everybody's, like, kind of going on it on the fly. But, again, to me, it's, like, it's because it's Coach K. Like, I get it. He's a great coach. But let's let's – Let's go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everybody's in the same boat here. Everybody's dealing with these issues. Um, so, like, I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. It felt like he was just trying to take an extended holiday vacation, you know, because he happened to be around somebody with COVID. And, he got, you know, going with the, like, motto this year, right, like taking the ball and going home, he was, he was going to do. Just this time he was going to leave his team out to dry against the Florida State team that was going to be hungry for a W. And I, and I was probably going to end up maxing Florida State, to be honest, but – not going to get the opportunity. 
Thanks a lot, Coach K, costing me and my and my guys some money, but that's okay. It is what it is. And again, yeah, I'm just uh, it's a slight lean for Kansas State. Um, if I make it official, I'll probably I'll probably tweet it out. I've been trying to put out more and more uh, free plays recently. I've kind of I have gotten away from it. Um, just been busy here with some personal stuff, um, but trying to put more and more free free plays out there for the people. I don't know if you had seen, but uh, the other day I put it out on, on the New Year or New Year's Eve, I should say. Uh, I put out two five unit bombs, which I have not played like at all, and hit both of them. We had Michigan Michigan money line on the hardwood, and we had Mississippi State uh, on the gridiron, and they got a W for us as well. So we hit both of them. Uh, and then we also hit the West Virginia first half over. And then late, late night, we had USC over, which looked phenomenal at halftime, uh, but wasn't able to come through for us at the end. But 2-0 today on free plays. I plan on putting a few more out tomorrow. And, you know, again, Kansas State may be one of them if I decide to play it. I will let the people know. Bill, one thing I will mention regarding this game, and I, I think your, your, your uh, reasoning is sound here with the, the fate of TCU because – that's more or less how I'd be looking to play it too, not so much a play on the Wildcats. Right. TCU eight and two straight up, but only four and six against the spread. The last two games for TCU hefty favorite rolls of twenty against Prairie View and twelve and a half against North Dakota State. I gave out NDSU on this very podcast a few weeks ago, and uh, they won both games by single digits. They won as a five-point underdog against Oklahoma State back on the 16th of December, but they only won by one point. Uh, and go back to December 9th, it was a nine-point loss against Providence for TCU. So the only game that has really been a blowout for TCU was a an 18-point win over Texas A&M, 73-55, back on December the 12th. So for the most part, they're playing close games, and in that favorite role, they're not doing too well in these games. So, uh, you know, I think 8-2, and two, you know, finding ways to pull out nitty-gritty, ugly wins has kind of been the M.O. for TCU. Then you add in that looking element, yeah, I think that you probably have a good lean here. I don't know that I'll be on it, but just kind of my two cents on that game. Yeah, like you said, I'm more of a fade than anything. Um, yeah, like I said, I'll let everybody know if, if we make a play on it or not. All right, so I'm going to take us to the SEC, and this is actually my favorite play of the college basketball rotation on Saturday. It's an evening game, uh, as we're seeing the Kentucky Wildcats, a short road favorite against Mississippi State of just one point. And, you know, I might sound square here, but, uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe the squares have abandoned the Wildcats. But I'm going with <laughs> Kentucky, laying a short number. I'll be honest, like, it just feels like all the pressure is now off of Kentucky, right? And that's why I kind of said, well, maybe this is going to sound square. But then I had to kind of catch myself because I feel like maybe some of those people have gotten off the Kentucky ship having lost a lot of money because Kentucky at 1-6, and six, it just feels impossible to say. Um, and – you know, now all the pressure is off, right? Because I think everybody is just saying, oh, this isn't one of Cal's better teams. You know, the the season has gotten away from them. And, you know, it's it's there's not much that's going to come of 2020-2021 for Kentucky men's basketball. That that all could be true, right? Maybe this is like that New Orleans Noel Kentucky team that, you know, doesn't make the NCAA tournament and chokes in the NIT. Like, we've seen it before, as I just mentioned. Uh, but I can't help but think, well, even if Kentucky isn't normal blue blood Kentucky, right? Lost to uh, Kansas, lost to North Carolina, lost to in-state rival Louisville. Now, I literally just need them to win this game against Mississippi State, okay? Conference play starting, I think for a team like Kentucky, this is a great kind of recharge regroup, reset, recharge the batteries, whatever cliche you want to use, and they can finally start to build a little bit of positive momentum. Mississippi State uh, has also covered the spread in five of its last seven games. So I think we're selling a little Mississippi State stock at the top of the market and buying very low on Kentucky. Mississippi State, I'm going back to the preseason, was picked to finish 12th in the SEC and by the way, I mentioned the non-conference or the, the covers for Mississippi State, all of those coming against pretty bad teams. Non-conference strength of schedule for Mississippi State, 
221st in the country. So if you would have told me a month ago you're going to get Kentucky at basically pick a minus one against Mississippi State, I would have said, where do I shine? So that's the situation we're in right now. Sooner or later, Kentucky's going to win a game. My money's going to be on it being on Saturday. Favorite play for me, I'm going to do it. Kentucky, going back to the well. Again, I don't even know if they're that good. Uh, This group of freshmen hasn't been maturing as quickly as some of the other groups for Cal, but I'll go with Kentucky minus the short number. This is going to be a max play for you? I think it's going to be, yeah. I, I just I just can't see them losing again. Mm, wow. You don't like it, I know. I, 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 really, I don't want to say I don't like it. I don't want to say – I definitely can say I don't love it. Um, I, I, let me ask you this. Is Kentucky a tournament team? Are they going to be in the big dance come March? I mean, Bill, I'll be honest, like, Right now, I'll probably say no, but I don't think that necessarily matters to this game. Like, they just have to beat Mississippi State. No, for sure. I just, I'm just trying to like put people in the psyche of these freshmen at Kentucky, right? Like, what are they thinking? They're one in six, you know. And like, I just pose the question to you: Like, are they are they even a tournament team? Like, I don't think they are. And to me, like, this is a spot where. They could completely fold. Like, this this team, and I hate to say because I think Cal's a great coach, I, I just don't think that this group is getting behind them like his previous teams have. Maybe it's due to what they're dealing with with COVID, how it's a strange season. Um, but and Mississippi State's not a terrible team. Like, I know you mentioned that they were picked to finish 12th in the conference, um, but Ben Hallen's been doing a great job with this program. And it's not like they've – you know, you mentioned their uh, their out of conference schedule, strength of schedule being you know not great. Their only three losses are to good teams. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, not that Dayton's a great team, but Dayton's a decent team. Liberty's a decent out of conference team, and Clemson. Yeah, is... you know, actually, I was going to mention that. Like, I saw that, mm-hmm. and that actually made me like this more because it was a sign to me that when they had to step up in competition, they did not meet the challenge. That's fair. I mean, look, I mean, Georgia's not a great team, but. Yeah, you know, they, they did handle Georgia in their yeah. last game, but that could also be, you know, a spot like you said, like a letdown spot. You know, maybe they're puffing their chest a little bit and they're seeing a one in six Kentucky's walking in, and we're going to be able to handle them no problem. Again, um, that's the thing. I just keep coming back to the fact that, as you mentioned, that Georgia win from Mississippi State. Like, when are we ever going to see like Kentucky? I, I don't care the years. Like, when are we ever going to see Kentucky at Miss, Mississippi State be a pick'em in basketball? Like that. Yeah. I, I just have to try and take advantage of that. Well, I'll be back in Kentucky just on okay. the basketball program. I will definitely be backing the Kentucky football program tomorrow. Um, and, look, I doubt I'll have a play on this game, so I will wish you nothing but the best of luck. I will be rooting for Kentucky for you. Um, I just I just don't think I'm going to be able to f- find a way to put myself uh, on this game on either side. So, like I said, I'll I'll be rooting for you in Kentucky in this one. You know, it's funny you mentioned, by the way, I'll, I'll mix in the other bowl game tomorrow. You mentioned that you like uh, the uh, Kentucky football team tomorrow uh, against North Carolina State. Mm-hmm. I actually kind of like another basketball blue blood on the gridiron. I think North Carolina could be live against Texas A&M. I think Whoa. that's one of those games, I'll just say it now, like that, this is one of those games where the point spread does not is not going to matter at all because you're going to see one of two things happen here. Either A&M is going to come out and win the game by, like, 35 because they're going to look to make a big statement after not getting in the college football playoff, or they're just going to be completely fold and just lay down after not getting in the playoff. And this is a really tough motivational spot for Jimbo Fisher and the boys. Whereas North Carolina, Mac Brown, you know, they're looking at the ACC thinking, well, you know, we could really – Lawrence on the way out now at Clemson and, you know – number two in the ACC is there for the taking. I think Carolina is going to win that game outright. So just wow. a little, little little football lean for me there. You, you like A&M? I'm not sure yet. I didn't dive deep enough into it. I want to see – I don't know if you know off the top of your head, had any of the players from A&M opted out for this game? You know, I have not seen that yeah. yet. If, if they don't, like if, if they're full roster, ready to go – I think I think A&M rolls, and I think it's because of what sure. you said. Like they're they're going to want to make a statement and say we should have been that fourth team. It should not have been Notre Dame. Um, 
And I think that, you know, if anything, the SEC kind of wants to see that too because they're tired of it, I think. Too. Like, I think everybody's – unless you're a Notre Dame fan, I think anybody else is tired of it. Like, let's let's stop with this nonsense. Put them in a conference. You know, Grant, they play like an ACC schedule this year. But I listened to Brian Kelly after the game, and he's and he's got this big attitude about the reporters asking, well, what do you plan on doing next? And he's like, I'm just going to recruit like I've always done. Well, I don't know why you're pushing this narrative that we can't hang. Well, it's really not a narrative when it's been true for the past however many years that they've been in the college football playoff and have gotten smacked. So uh, I'm just so sick and tired of seeing Notre Dame. And, again, if A&M has all their guys in, I really think they're going to handle the business of North Carolina pretty easily. But if they're opting out, I like I like your read on that. And like I said, the point spread probably won't matter. It'll be yeah. One of I think two. we see it so often in college bowls where that point spread really doesn't matter. You want to you know lay the points and even look to sell points and maybe back the favorite you know at a two to one price and give a touchdown as well. So if you like A and M, try and find an alternate line minus fourteen and a half, minus fifteen, something like that. But I can tell you, I I think I'm going to take a chance on the North Carolina money line. Let's wrap things up back on the college hardwood, though, with a consensus play. We mentioned we opened with a consensus play in the Big 12, and that is where we're going to end. And, hey, this game gets started early, so you will get a chance, uh, you know, wake up and bet some college hoops and enjoy Texas going to Fog Allen Fieldhouse to take on the Kansas Jayhawks. Texas, a four-point underdog on the road, total of 137.5. We're both going to be on the, the road dog here in Texas, uh, and I think I might have got four and a half. I'll have to double check. But mm-hmm. honestly, like, Bill, I mentioned how, like, I just look at the looked at that Kentucky spot and just thought, well, when would we ever see this line be this low between Kentucky and Mississippi State? Well, I'm kind of looking at this line here thinking, well, why is this – when would we ever see this line this high between two top ten teams? And Kansas is seventh in the Kempom – Texas is ninth in the Kempom. So we're basically saying we have two even teams here. And you're going to tell me Fog Allen Fieldhouse at like half capacity is worth four and a half points? Like that feels a little weird. Kansas um, has three straight covers, including a 14-point victory over West Virginia. So I think we're kind of, you know, selling some Kansas stock at a pretty high point right now. And then we're little, kind of buying low on Texas to a degree. Longhorns one in three against the spread in their last four, but they did win three of those four games, and all three have been the most recent three. So they come in on a three-game winning streak despite not covering a lot of numbers. I think that in a weird way, I know that we're gamblers and we want teams to cover spreads, but I think in a weird way that's actually something that makes me like Texas here because – Bill, we talked about we always talk about look ahead spots and things like that. You know that Texas has had this game at Fog Allen circle for a while, yep. and despite that, they could still win those games that even if they weren't covering, they had prior to this Kansas game. And oh, by the way, I mentioned uh, you know one and three ATS uh, in the last four, uh, and having won three of four and the three game winning streak. The one game that they lost of those last four was against Nova, and they only yeah. lost by four. So. Yep. You know, it's a Texas team that is looks to be playing up to competition pretty well. Bill, I know you were pretty high on Texas preseason, thinking this could be the year for Shaka to make a nice run there in Austin. He's got hair, so <laughs> maybe that'll help. Uh, but I definitely like the Longhorns here. I think they're alive. Yeah, I'm with you. I actually got them at uh, at plus five. I sent it out earlier. I saw it tick down to as low as three and a half. I think it kind of settled in at four. But I'm seeing a ton, a ton of public action, close to 80% of tickets and 80% of money on the Jayhawks, which makes me love the fact that line is kind of staying put. Um, and I'd love to see it even drop down further. I like Texas. I like Texas with the points. I like Texas outright in this game. Um, like you mentioned, Texas' only loss was to a very, very strong Villanova team. Um, Kansas just had a dominant win over West Virginia by 14 last week after they snuck by Texas Tech. Speaking of sneaking by, Texas just did that with a three-point win over Oklahoma State. Um, then they had 12 days off, like you mentioned. They've had this game circled. Not only did they have it circled, but now they had 12 days to prep just for this game. And look, we've talked about Shocker. You know, we mentioned the hair. But the fact is, he is a phenomenal coach. And if you're going to give this guy 12 days to prepare for the game. And for the biggest game of their season. <laughs> exactly. And he is a, 
phenomenal motivator too. Like the team, all his teams, back to him when he coached at VCU, you could just see the energy that he would put forth, and the team would just feed off of that. So if you're telling me you're going to give this guy this much time to prepare and this much time to get his team up for the biggest game of the year, I have to back them. And again, another team that defends the three point line well is Texas. They're going to take it away from Kansas, which kind of, not that they live and die by the three, but, you know, they, they like to shoot it, um, and they're going to have trouble with it in this game because Texas is going to contest it. I love Texas in this spot. Again, I'm not going to be shocked in the least if they win this outright. I'm going to be sprinkling a little bit on the money line most likely, um, and I'm really going to be focusing on this line movement and see what happens with it. Uh, I gave it out, I believe, as a max play to my guys earlier. Um, again, I know I gave it out at five. It's probably going to be changing. It's going to be closer to three and a half or four um, as of right now. But I still like it. I still like it as a max play all the way down to three points. Um, and, again, a sprinkle on the money line between a half unit, maybe even a unit uh, here on the money line. I say all this with some caution. <laughs> I have been on record plenty of times saying how Kansas is that college basketball team for me that I feel like when I take them, they screw me. When I go against them, they screw me. Virginia <laughs> Tech's my team in, in college ba- uh, football. Pittsburgh Steelers are the team in the NFL. Like, <laughs> I always have one team where I feel like no matter what side I'm on, uh, I get screwed on. So I say all this with a lot of caution. If you're going to tell me, be cautious. It's still Bill Self. It's still the Kansas Jayhawks, and they tend to screw me. Um, but I, I do feel pretty confident in this one. And the fact that you're backing it as well makes me feel uh, a little bit better as well. Hey, well, it's good to know that I'm in your good graces enough to where <laughs> if I'm back in a play that you are, then you feel even better. That'll do it for us here on another edition of Full Slate. Bill, 2021 is upon us, and I do want to close by just saying this. I know that we're heading into the uh, you know nitty-gritty of college basketball now with conference play starting, but uh, good luck to you, your wife, and your kids. The Monday is one of the worst days of the year. When the holidays are over and everybody's back at work on Monday, and then you realize we got two good months of just dog days of winter ahead you know, it, it's uh, certainly one of those times you, I wished I lived in a Sunbelt climate, but I'm not that <laughs> I was going to say that. I'm sure you're going to be enjoying the weather out there in Minnesota. You guys, what do you yeah. get? Like, maybe like four feet, five feet total hey, snow by the end of this I, winter? I fly back tomorrow, and I'm just fortunate that I checked the weather in northern Minnesota, the regional airport that I'm, my car sitting at. Uh, we're going to be in the 20s when I land, which means I'm not going to have to worry about my car starting, thankfully. Oh, my goodness. That is brutal. I'm looking forward to tomorrow. we got 50-degree weather. I'm going to be on the golf course. There you go. Double, double-edged sword. I'm excited to get out because I don't know the last time I was able to get out in 50-degree weather in January. Uh, but like we just mentioned, all these great games are going to be going on in the afternoon. So I will be having plenty of portable chargers with me. I will have uh, ESPN Plus on my phone. Uh, I might have to bring one of my kids' tablets, steal that, bring it with me so I can have multiple games going on while I'm on the course. But uh, looking like it's going to be a great Saturday ahead of us. There he is, Bill Christie. Follow him on Gambling Twitter, at Larry's Locks 2. Lucha Larry is where you can find him. Bill, always fun. Uh, We'll do it again next week. Sounds good. This has been Full Slate. And, again, my name is Greg Frank. Find me and all my picks at Undercover Greg on Twitter. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. Happy New Year to all, and of course, please play responsibly.